Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Introducing Carissa Green Industries. Let's get ready to launch. Today, we're joined by Eric Fliss. Eric Fliss is the co-founder and COO of WorldStack, an open source intelligence company based in Canberra. Eric has a deep background in security across a broad range of areas, including a master's in policing, intelligence, and counterterrorism. WorldStack solutions analyze the oceans of data on the surface, deep and the dark web to unearth details and pull together relationships much faster than any analyst could hope to do. Without further ado, I want to welcome Eric. So, Eric, for our listeners that aren't as worldly as perhaps we are, can you tell me more about OSINT? Sure. So, uh, I guess to start with, OSINT stands for Open Source Intelligence, um, meaning uh, open sources rather than closed sources uh, in terms of information available from publicly available sources, as opposed to what government agencies might have in terms of running um, closed sources like human intelligence, um, informants and so forth. So open source intelligence is really about um, things that the public um, can gain access to. So social media, news sources, blogs and the like. Uh, It ranges um, through um, media monitoring. Um, A lot of people are probably familiar with um, media monitoring for brand management marketing and you're probably familiar with that term. Mm-hmm. Um, through to infiltrating and monitoring secret groups online, so closed groups, um, people up up to, uh, I guess, nefarious means online. So uh, media monitoring can be used for things um, such as business intelligence, so what are your competitors doing, through to those um, the closed groups that I mentioned where it might be things like counterterrorism and so forth. Can you talk to me uh, a little bit more – sorry, can you talk to me a little bit more about the closed groups, about what that actually looks like from a – Yeah, sure. Sure. So closed sources, uh, if we're talking about closed groups, a lot of people um, that are familiar with open source intelligence Mm -hmm. would recognize that as things like um, uh, secret groups on Facebook, um, where you have to request request to join that group. So it's not just like a a page that you can go and look at. You've actually got to um, go to that page and request to join. In some cases, you might be vetted. There might be a security Mm -hmm. function um, uh, present on that page. Uh, Through to now you've got apps such as Telegram and so forth um, and WhatsApp, so encrypted messaging apps um, where secret groups um, uh, are online um, and communicating through those means. Uh, In terms of of collection, what that means Mm -hmm. for collection for Mm. for us, that means doing things like running – running pseudonym profiles, pretending you, you're someone you're not to gain access to those because obviously some of those groups don't want, uh, you know, law enforcement or intelligence um, departments on there. So you have to pretend you're someone you're not. So that's a really interesting point. So when you obviously want to get access to some of these closed groups that you create a someone who's not you or someone that looks like the avatar for those closed groups. So have you ever been rejected from any of these closed groups if you, you know, obviously going in as a, as a cloaked type of person or you generally kind of nail that avatar what they're looking for? 
I've I've never had a, a pseudonym um, rejected. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that that comes from uh, I guess subject matter expertise in whatever the the areas that you're trying to um, uh, gain access to, like the the subject matter. Uh, so you need to be a subject matter expert to to be one of these people, to pr- pretend to be one of these people because your profile that you're creating mm-hmm. needs to look and and feel and sound like what would be expected from that type of person. So there's research that needs to be done when you're setting up a pseudonym profile in the first place. Mm-hmm. What, what imagery what imagery do they use on their profiles? How do they generally talk? What 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 type of language do they use? What are the key I guess the key terms or phrases that that would um, I guess uh, make you come across as being one of them. Wow, that's fascinating. And and I think, like you said, digging deeper into understanding that language and how those people are communicating in those groups is one of the fundamental (laughs) for getting in there in the first place. But what what I'd really like to understand is, can you explain the history of OSINT and the technologies and practices around that? Uh, I guess, firstly, the the history of open source intelligence, um, you know, it it goes back over 60 years. Uh, and yeah, you know, World War Two, the Foreign Broadcast Information Service was stood up by the U.S. But there's obscure references back as far as 1832 as well. Uh, so that the, the uh, FBIS was set up by the U.S. to monitor foreign media services. So that goes back to um, the the initial um, comment I made about media monitoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was set up to monitor foreign media services. So that might be what is what is a foreign government talking about? Uh, if they're talking about their military, what what sort of things are they talking about? So that's probably the one of the most basic or, or fundamental um, aspects of of open source intelligence that that governments might use. Uh, okay. So media monitoring. Um, so that that's sort of the the base history of it, and it's obviously come a long way, particularly in in recent years. Since nine eleven, it's it's definitely come a long way. Um, through to I guess was it probably a couple of years ago now. Uh, when the conflict in in Syria was really heating up, it was actually a um, a UK ex defence services member who was watching YouTube clips, you know, in his basement at home, that uh, recognised a particular weapon that had been introduced into the conflict, just through watching media releases from the rebel groups on YouTube, uh, and even the CIA and so forth wasn't aware that that particular weapon had been introduced um, into that conflict. And as a result, you had you had a government department in the CIA was actually referencing a a citizen who found this stuff at home, which was quite wow. interesting to see. <clears throat> so it shows you how far it's come. Absolutely. So just to go back on the nine eleven. So obviously that was probably the catalyst to to this progression. Can you talk me through where sort of open source intelligence was from there to where we are now? I mean, obviously just a high level. Yeah, sure. So I, I guess my first introduction into it was when I did my my university degree. I did a master's mm-hmm. degree in policing intelligence and counterterrorism. Okay. And one of the aspects I was looking at was uh, at the time it was you know Al Qaeda based groups operating in Facebook, uh, and so that was a lot of the closed secret Facebook groups mm-hmm. around nine eleven. That that was predominantly what you had. There wasn't as many social media platforms or around as there is now. So there's been an, an explosion of platforms and, and different types of media, whether it's encrypted messaging apps on your phone or, or an internet-based, um, you know, uh, 
application such as Facebook or you know Twitter online. None of that stuff was being used back then, so it was predominantly Facebook. Um, so I guess since 9-11, there's been an explosion of uh, platforms available mm. for people to use. Um, and I guess back then there wasn't an understanding of how those platforms were being used by whether it was, uh, you know, terrorists or any other um, potential threat actors or criminal um, elements. There wasn't a great understanding, I don't think, around that at the time. Whereas now there's a, a much greater understanding in who uses the platforms and how they're used and what, you know, are they looking in terms of counterterrorism? Are you talking about, um, you know, finance or recruitment, um, you know, trying to radicalize people online? That certainly gives people overseas in these countries greater reach into places like Australia to radicalize and recruit people. Where mm-hmm. prior to social media, they didn't have that capability available. They would need someone on the ground to do that face to face. Absolutely. So the thing that fascinates me about what you just said that, you know, obviously back in the day, there, there wasn't as many social media platforms. So were people really, like, obviously, the terrorism type groups were actually having closed Facebook groups. Did they not sort of think that from a security point of view that they'd be found out or people would be, you know, monitoring this so what was really the psychology behind that and thinking like is this really the best way to communicate especially on these types of topics well uh, if you're um whether you're a terrorist group looking to try and get financing or or recruit people Mm -hmm. if you think about it from a a market and sales perspective you've actually got something you're trying to sell you Mm. need to put that out there somehow to get whatever it is you want. Right. Um, so in the case of, um, you know, they probably thought they were a bit anonymous, especially at the time, there probably wasn't a great understanding by a lot of these groups about what's behind the technologies, can people track us through these technologies and so forth. And to be fair, that they actually, um, some of these groups had quite, um, I guess, sophisticated security vetting within okay. the groups themselves where they, right. they might even ask for, um, the email address you use associated with your profile so they could log in and, and check you out. And if, if, you know, it's a bunch of mixed stuff in there or it's your real email account, then, you know, obviously you, you're not going to get into that group. They're going to block you and move on. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, 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 since, so since that time, have you seen a reduction in these closed, specifically this type of group? Have you seen a reduction in that because there are platforms like Telegram and, and WhatsApp and stuff that's, that are encrypted and things like that? Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, Facebook used to be the primary one for groups like, like that, say mm-hmm. um, Al-Qaeda. Um, yep. Now, you, you definitely do not see as many as there used to be uh, right. where they've, you know, if you go to some of the paste type sites, so your paste mm-hmm. bin sites, some of those are your conduits into where the, the groups are located now on, on things like Telegram and WhatsApp. So they've sort of migrated over to Telegram and WhatsApp. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, right, right, right. Okay. So it's, not to say that it's not to say they're not still active, but that the level of activity is certainly not what it used to be. Uh, and, the, and the way they operate, um, you know, a lot of them are now looking for real-time communication. Facebook didn't necessarily work in that manner, where something yep. like a Twitter is used for real-time communication, particularly from conflict zones for propaganda and things like that. Yeah, sure. So from your experience, Eric, is it, is it harder from your perspective, to monitor things like Telegram and WhatsApp opposed to platforms like Facebook? 
Well, they, they all have the challenges, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, you'd be familiar with, I guess, some of the stuff that's gone on with Facebook in the face of the um, you know, recent events with the Russia um, yep. and the elections and so forth and fake profiles. Um, where and then through to your um, encrypted messaging apps, which are a little bit different. Um, so for for governments and so forth, I can't answer for them, but for for private companies uh, accessing data, um, you know, from WhatsApp or, or Telegram is much more challenging. Um, we yeah. don't uh, necessarily um, have access to someone's phones, which is where the you know the the information resides. So it's not on a website like a Facebook anymore. So I guess on that front, what are the applications for this technology? Uh, so in terms of, of uh, technologies to look at open source intelligence, yep. I mean, there's, there's a range of, of uh, products and services okay. out there. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, loosely, there's probably two use cases for those. Um, mm-hmm. One is, is hunting, which is looking for new information, people or groups, et cetera. And two is ongoing monitoring. So that, that's in particular automated monitoring on things you already know about, whether it's a mm-hmm. topic, a group, or a person. Um, and in terms of the, the technologies, um, they, they broadly as well fall under two categories in terms of what they do. Um, so one is you know the collection of information from, from social media sites, blogs, websites, whatever it may be. And then the other, the other one is the analysis of that information. Um, and, and the combination of the two, which is key there. So can you walk me through, so the collection of the information and then talk me through around the analysis of that? So what do you guys generally, what are you using that for? So I guess automation is, is, um, is a big key um, and it will be moving forward as well. Um, I'll talk um, a little bit later, I think, about um, where, where we see um, mm-hmm. open source intelligence going. But generally, teams are small, um, budgets are small. Uh, so, you know, automating uh, the collection of information. So this, all this stuff used to be done manually when I, re- when I was talking about when I used to look at Facebook, um, you know, around 9-11 and so forth. That was all um, just manual searching. So you would get wow. on Facebook, log in, and do hundreds and hundreds of manual searches. Wow. Um, you know. And there was no way back then to even automate automate alerting on things you already know about. So you may have found a group and you've infiltrated that group, but there was no way to point a software tool at it and get what you need in an automated fashion. It still meant you had to log in and look at what was happening in real time sometimes, wow. depending on what the time zones were and so forth. So now you've got the ability... Um, to, to access information, a lot, a lot of these platforms have um, APIs, application programming interfaces, which it allows a, a, a you as a company uh, access to the data from the back end. Um, you mm-hmm. still limit it by what they allow you access to, but it's certainly uh, much better than you know doing it manually and doing hundreds of searches, not remembering if you've done those searches, having to go back and do them again and oh so forth. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> So, so technology's come a long way. I think it still has. A, I still think it has a long way to go um, yeah. in in terms of smarts behind the software. Uh, but certainly, automation uh, is key. So, automatically collecting information on things you you are interested in, 
an analysis of that information. So there's a lot of software tools out there which don't really do any analysis. It'll just give you uh, a wall of data back, a sea of data, which is really useless. It's sort of like mm. doing manual searching because then you've got to go through everything you've collected. And if you're automating collection, you might have millions of posts um, a day, depending on you know what you're looking at. So to go through that manually is is still a nightmare. So you need some way, some analysis of the information to tell you what's important. Wow. So that that's that's where the analysis bit is key. So that analysis bit will allow you to do things like automated alerting on on um, key things of interest to you. And are you using sort of like a, a, like data science with that analysis? I mean, depending on what your objective is and what you're doing, what's your methodology yes. around that? Yes, okay. uh, I guess there's several ways we do it. You can have, I guess, the most basic sort of analysis is associations based on filters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's, I guess, one end of the spectrum. And the, the further end of the spectrum is, is machine learning and NLP and, and um, mm-hmm. different techniques um, such as those to further automate that. Uh, so we're doing some work in that area at the moment. Uh, around um, relevancy rankings for for our content as it comes through in real time, as well as as things like uh, entity resolution, uh, which is you know in a sea of data, people might be using different aliases to post the same thing, but being mm. able through through things like NLP and various other techniques to be able to identify that those are likely the same person. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting, and I, I think. Really, from your perspective, what's the current landscape of, of OSINT as an industry? And I know we've spoken high level, but I'd really personally like to get your view on that. Um, I guess, you know, as I said, it's it's substantially increased since 9-11. Uh, in terms of the Australian market, it, it's, not, it's not big. Uh, I think we're behind where, say, the US and other um, countries have been for a while, but it's it's starting to come around. The, the increase of, of work in open source intelligence is certainly increasing, whether that's, uh, you know, government or private sector. Everyone uses open source in some way these days. Sometimes they might not even realise that's what they're doing, but they are doing yeah. that. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, uh, business intelligence is a prime example. You wouldn't think of uh, business intelligence as open source intelligence, um, and depending on what you're doing, it could well be. If you're monitoring, you know, news clippings for your competitors, and that's a form of open source intelligence. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you you're right on that front, and I think so. Do you, so you obviously think this is definitely going to be on the increase then, because I mean, people probably don't even know that they're utilizing it, like you said, from the BI point of view. But do you definitely see this as a, you know, massive hockey stick moving forward? I definitely think it's going to continue to increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you look at, uh, we already talked about the explosion of social media platforms from from you know since nine eleven. Uh, mm. uh, what, I, what I've seen is a definite shift in the way people communicate as well, um, which I think is going to have a big impact on it. Uh, you know, younger generations, and I don't want to sound old here, but <laughs> younger generations, <laughs> you know, are happy to put more online and that's the way they communicate. So people um, looking to engage with them, whether it's for the sale of um, drugs or, or weapons or whether it's counterterrorism related, 
we'll be able to engage with them by through those platforms or through social media, and that's the way they're used to communicating. I don't see the, that the social media, the spectrum of social media use and, and applications is going to mm. shrink. Uh, it will probably continue to increase and diversify. Yeah, you're right. And I think just from that point, you mentioned obviously the way younger people communicate. You're really you're spot on. People can't even go to a restaurant nowadays without taking a photo of the food. But <laughs> no. so obviously that, that's going to probably work, I guess, in your favour if you are collecting lots of information or because people are so open about their, their life. Uh, and I guess even from a business intelligence point of view, the more stuff that's out there, I guess – the more information and the more data points that companies now have on people. So I guess, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. What, what's your opinion on, on that? I think, um, as we've said, people are, are living their lives more online these days um, yeah. um, and people are happy to share more information. And in terms of, um, like I, I think I mentioned before, or if you're trying to sell something, you need to advertise that, whatever mm. that is, whether it's a radical idea or a commodity you need to put that online somehow and tell people where they can go to get that. Um, so the first thing you might find when you're doing open source intelligence, um, say for people selling drugs, might not actually be um, someone saying they want to buy that drug, but you'll find people advertising it and telling people where to go, whether it's on the dark web or you know some other um, you know e-platform um, to buy these types of things. They will tell you where to go from there. So you might not always find initially that end piece of information, uh, but you will find the end to that, um, I guess, the inner circle, for want of a better term. Uh, and I don't see that changing. As we just, just mentioned, you know, the, the, the increase in the, the range of, of social media, people will continue to see that as a, as a primary way to engage with potential uh, clients. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> Uh, you probably sort of in part answered this question, but where do you see the industry heading and how do you think it's going to evolve? I, I think, as, as we just said, we're going to see um, the, the type of platforms and numbers of platforms continue to evolve and grow. Uh, what I've seen in in a lot of cases is, you know, team sizes are, are either stagnant or shrinking. There are some that are growing, but generally, uh, you know, budgets are getting tighter and, and the team sizes have stagnated, uh, but the workload will continue to increase. Uh, I don't know how many times we've walked in to talk to clients and they would say, oh, we've now got to look at, at this, um, these things online. And, that, you know, so it's ever, ever changing and ever increasing uh, in terms of what that means for solutions, in terms of software, automation is going to be the key. Um, mm -hmm. automation and machine learning are going to continue to, um, I guess, drive, I guess, better better solutions for those teams. And where do you see sort of like big companies sort of utilising this, obviously business intelligence, where do you see that as, as a future for, for companies leveraging this? Uh, business intelligence has always been big, so I don't, I don't suspect that that will change. Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're We've probably all been familiar with business intelligence before we actually, a lot of people have heard it and probably don't actually know what it means. <laughs> no, I think, you, I think uh, you're so, spot on there, absolutely. Uh, you know, but I, I can remember um, in, in a previous life working in, in protective security and sitting in particular um, locations in the financial sector in, in Sydney and listening to what the the people from the financial institutions are talking about with their competitors, 
or amongst her teams. You know, they were all A-type personalities and divulging a whole bunch of information about who's moving money where and who's mm. looking to acquire what. That's a form of business, competitive intelligence, business intelligence. Mm-hmm. Media monitoring is um, on. Now you've got all the online platforms. You can do the exact same thing online. Because yeah, people will talk to... about it online. People will talk about what's going on in their company with their friends. Yeah. And no. not realizing, disclosing, realizing they're maybe talking about something that's sensitive and they shouldn't be talking about it online. So what's your advice perhaps on that? So how can people be mindful that if they are talking about something that perhaps they shouldn't be? Do you have any piece of advice or maybe some, some strategies around just just to be careful about what they are saying well i I guess it's just sad be careful about what you're saying particularly if you're talking about your um you know your employer Mm. uh, depending on depending on you know so government departments for example have social media usage policies that dictate what you can and you can't say uh, about your work online uh, and, and i and we, we've we've seen a whole range of i guess inappropriate use of social media from uh, employees talking about their, their boss through to uh, on the tech side might be a, a network engineer on a technical forum saying they've got a particular error with a particular solution then signing off with the departmental email now well, now yeah. a potential threat now a potential threat actor knows exactly what technologies are using a point of contact to try and socially engineer and what the error is or the vulnerability they have is well wow. so you do need to careful about what you put out there a lot of people probably don't realize you know they don't necessarily have security in mm. mind whether that's you know, mm. personal security or security of their company or whatever it may be they're just talking online like they would talk to a friend face to face these days is this oh, you you're, you're so right and i've seen so many of these cases around people saying oh i'm sick today and then they're out at the beach taking photos is this is is this quite a prominent problem and correct me if i'm sorry if i, I sound ignorant but to me it sounds a very obvious way of of making sure that you just wouldn't say i'm sick and then you know you're putting posts on social media and stuff like that but is this just not really like a maybe because i come from that background but is this not a line of thinking a train of thought for people to actually think you know um logically about being found out this way (laughs) i guess you know uh, like we said a lot of people just use social media like they're talking face to face with a friend Mm, Uh, and maybe they don't maybe they don't even realize the security settings are set such that anyone Mm. can look at at what they've just said. They might think they're safe and secure talking to, you know, their best friend online, not realising that they're broadcasting to, to everyone because the security settings aren't locked down. Um, or some people just don't care, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, for some reason, it doesn't surprise me. Well, So, I, I mean, mean one, one of the use cases um, that, that we're currently looking at is mm. things like workers' compensation fraud. So we can detect online, for example, someone that says that we know is on workers' compensation, but all of a sudden they're a jet skiing over on a holiday in Bali or something like that, right? So all those things are now detectable. Wow. Yeah, you're spot on. What happens in that scenario? Is that sort of, you know, defrauding, you know, workers' compensation? Like what? What? what's the general – like what happens? So obviously for that particular use case, what is – what's the end result of that? What does that look like? 
Well, I guess it would depend on who who their end client is. If you're just talking about an insurance company, yeah. I would assume they would want to go back and um, you know seek restitution for the funds they've been out at um, if they've paid out workers' compensation to someone who's not injured. So that person would then probably be taken to court to um, um, you know pay back what they've taken from the insurance. That. I'm actually so taken back, <laughs> taken back by that. Uh, that 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 really that really opens my eyes. So I really appreciate that use case. But, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. so, you're not going to Bali anytime soon, are you? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Definitely not. No, definitely not. <laughs> um, but lastly, Eric, where can people that are interested to find more information about OSINT? Where can they find this type of stuff out? Uh, there's there's plenty of information on the internet about like the, the general history of open source intelligence and, and a Google search will will give you that and it might be from recognised institutions like Rand or smaller companies so Rand Corporation publishes a fair amount in that space. In terms of education and training, there are university degrees. I mentioned I did a master's in policing, intelligence, and counterterrorism with a focus on intelligence and counterterrorism. Now, that didn't necessarily go into um, open source intelligence, but it gave me some basis that I could then take and apply to it. So a lot of what I learned there, I had to teach myself, I guess, for want of a better term. Uh, so, you know, in terms of how, how you go about conducting open source intelligence, there are other courses out there. Uh, so Jane's uh, and Toddington's do some of those courses. Okay. Uh, we, we, my company, WorldStack, does uh, open source intelligence tradecraft um, training courses as okay. well. And that, that's actually how you go about doing the uh, looking at planning and collections, so the whole, the whole spectrum. And we, we also, if someone wanted to take a look at some practical applications, there are um, some examples on our insight page at worldstack.net. Perfect. And where, if people want to reach out to you, where, how can they reach out to you, Eric? Uh, contact details are on our, our website um, or at eric at worldstack.net and contact me directly. Wonderful. Well, Eric, thank you so much. I'm honestly going to, uh, I've learned so much from you today and, and your use cases. It's definitely opened my eyes and I appreciate no so much. Uh, I appreciate your time and the knowledge that you've provided, not only myself, but the people listening to this podcast. Thank you very much. No problem at all. Thank you for your time. Thanks again for joining us. I hope you got some insights from this episode of KB Cast with me, KB. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or Google Play to get every new episode as it's released. And as always, show notes are available from kbcast.com for every single episode. We're building a community, so always love to get feedback, ideas, or questions on hello at kbcast.com. Keep on keeping on.